Uh, turn in your Bibles today, if you would. Uh, we're going to go to a couple different places. We're going to start in Numbers 35. Um, I'm really excited for what God is doing. God has been bringing so many new people, and God has been getting people involved here at Urban Church in different aspects of ministry. Um, some great things are coming up for our church. We're going to be launching our youth and junior high ministry uh, coming up in February. And uh, God's been bringing more junior highers, more high schoolers. And so uh, we want to accommodate that and begin to launch that ministry. And so if you have a heart for youth, uh, if you have a heart for junior hires, um, and even if you don't, <laughs> uh, we need your help. And uh, we would love for you to get involved. You can also take that contact card, and on the back side of it, uh, you can say, hey, count me in. I'd love to get more information about that. But if you have a heart for that, we'd love to help start our youth ministry. Now, we would love to get you involved. Uh, we're going to have junior high classes right here on Sunday morning, and then we're going to be doing stuff with, uh, with the rest of the youth throughout the week. And so I was a youth pastor for 12-plus uh, years, and so I have a heart for them. So people are going to have to pull me out of that, all right, because I'm going to be wanting to do that as well. Um, but I got too much going on. So I need your help. Um, lots of other ways to get involved, and we'd love for you to do that in this up-and-coming year. Uh, also on the 23rd of this month, for those of you who didn't know, we started a fast today, 21 days of prayer and fasting. You can go online and check that out. Just click on the slide that's on our website. If you don't have access to a computer at your house, we printed out some uh, stuff for you to get at the information center there. It's kind of a guideline uh, for prayer and fasting, what it is, how you do it, but also how we're going to be praying through this 21 days of prayer and fasting. And that concludes on the 22nd. On the 23rd, we are having Connection Weekend. Now, here's what I need you to do in addition to praying and fasting. I need you to begin to think about some people that you're going to invite to church because Connection Weekend is going to be the weekend you want to bring them. Now, obviously, any weekend is a good weekend to bring somebody to church. Come on. Okay, but this weekend is going to be geared especially for them, as well as getting people involved in community groups. We're going to be launching all of our new community groups starting on the 23rd, and so we'll have tables set up out here with all the information about our community groups and how you can get involved and ones you want to sign up for, but also a great weekend to invite new people to church. And so even as you're praying and fasting over the next three weeks, just start to think about people you can invite and then begin to pray for them. How many of you guys believe prayer works? Okay, the rest of you? All right. Well, the rest of you, I challenge you uh, to get involved and just see how well it does work because, man, there's something powerful that happens with prayer and fasting. Numbers chapter 35. Uh, today, as I begin to preach this message, God put this message on my heart a couple weeks back, and I've been meditating on it for the last couple weeks and just thinking about it. And I believe that as I begin to speak this message, that this is not just a message for today, but I, God began to show me that this is the message of who we are for 2011 as Urban Church. And so I want you just to pay attention, listen to the scriptures that are being read. If you're a note taker, the title of today is A Place of Refuge, because I believe that's what God is calling Urban to be in 2011, is a place of refuge. And we're going to go through that today, look at what that means for us, look at what that means for so many others uh, as we go into this new, new year. Numbers chapter 35, starting in verse 1, and it says this, The Lord spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan at Jericho, saying, Command the people of Israel to give to the Levites some of the inheritance of their possession as cities for them to dwell in. If you're a student of the Bible, you know that the Levites were not supposed to work, but they were to give themselves 100% to the Lord to doing the sacrifices for the people. Therefore, they didn't work a regular job like everybody else, and so the people had to provide for them not only food, but in this case, territory or land for them to dwell in. Verse 3, the cities shall be theirs to dwell in, and their pasture lands shall be for their cattle and for their livestock and for all their beasts. The pasture lands of the cities which 
you shall give to the Levites, shall, re, uh, shall reach for the wall of the city outward, a thousand cubits, all around, and you shall measure outside the city, on the east side, two thousand cubits, and on the south side, two thousand cubits, and on the west side, two thousand cubits, and on the north side, two thousand cubits, and the city being in the middle. This shall belong to them as pasturelands for their cities. Verse 6. The cities that you give to the Levites shall be the six cities of refuge, where you shall permit the manslayer to flee, and in addition to them you shall give 42 cities. So the picture is this. The people gave them territory. It was at the very center of everything they were doing, and that belonged to the Levites. And in the center of the center, there was a city of refuge, a place where people could run to if they were in trouble. Now go with me to Psalm 91. Psalm 91. And then we're going to go to Matthew eleven twenty three. 23. Psalm 91, verse 1 and 2. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. I will say to the Lord, my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Now, New Testament, Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, verse 23. Sorry, verse 28. It says this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is Jesus talking. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. I will be your place of refuge. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is fantastic. And I just pray that, God, the word would come alive to each and every one of us in this place. That, that today, God, it would be more than just something that is preached, but it would be something that gets inside of our hearts and begins to show us who we are to be in 2011. That, that we as Christ's followers are to be a place of refuge for others, that, that we as a church are to be a place of, of refuge and freedom for people to run to, to find salvation. God, I pray that today that this message, God, would, would go deep into the core of Urban Church and deep into the core of our lives in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. How many of you guys remember playing tag? Anybody? Maybe, how many of you guys played it the other day? Come on, somebody. Uh, it, you know, for some of you, you have to stretch pretty far and begin to think back to the days that you were in school, uh, probably elementary school, unless you were a cool kid and you played it in high school. Come on, somebody, right? And you got to think way back, but you remember those, those things called recess? Y'all remember what those are? How many of you guys think they should bring those back to the job place? Come on, somebody. Can you imagine right in the middle of your day? Okay, guys, recess, right? Get the four square ball, whatever, tag, kickball. Are you with me? How many of you guys think we should get a petition going, right? I loved recess, and some of the games I played during recess, man, I played kickball. Any kickball lovers out there? Played kickball, loved playing kickball, basketball, of course, but I also loved playing tag. There's so many different types of tag you can play. You can play freeze tag. Uh, I don't remember all the names, but you all know, you know what I'm talking about, right? All the different types of tag you can play. Tag is such a fun game. Now, when we played, though, when we played tag, we had something called a safe zone. Base. You all know what I'm talking about, right? Okay. And it was like, you know, you know, I guess, you know, some of the kids thought that was just kind of cheap, but then there were some of the kids like myself that weren't that quick, okay? 
I'm not the fastest person in the world. I loved the safe zone. I loved bass, all right? So I'd always be the one to introduce bass. Hey, are we going to have bass in this, this game of tag, you know? Bass is, the, is a great place because as you're running for your life, before that person tags you, if you can get to bass, come on, you're safe, right? It, it's a place where you can go, and then you turn around, and they try to tag you, and like, you're it, and you're like, no, I'm on bass, Right? Okay, and it would turn into a, to an argument session. But, man, there was that thought inside of you that you would just run. I don't, I don't really get the game when you, when you think about it, but you just run around like a maniac hoping that nobody tags you. But if they are going to tag you, that you can get to base before they do so that you are not it. Tag. Now that I have children of my own, uh, here we are some 30-something years later, and I'm still playing tag. But my daughters played a little bit different. They like to play the lava monster. Okay? And unfortunately, I'm always the lava monster. It doesn't matter if we're walking down the sidewalk. Faith will just be like, Dad, you want to play Lava Monster? Dad, you be the Lava Monster. We could be on the playground right out here. Dad, you, you be the Lava Monster. We could be in the swimming pool. And she's like, Dad, you be the Lava Monster. I'm like, that doesn't work, okay? And so I'm the Lava Monster, and she wants me to chase her. And if I get her, she turns into hot lava. But, but then she introduces something called base. But Dad, if I, if I get to this place, if I get to the couch, if we're wrestling around in the, in the living room playing Lava Monster, Dad, if I get to the couch, that's the safe, and you can't get me there, okay? And so now we'll be wrestling around. I'll go to grab them. They'll jump on the couch, and I'll go to grab them. They're like, no, you can't get me. I'm on, I'm on base. It's a safe zone. It's a place of refuge. It's a place of protection. It's a place where they run to knowing that it doesn't matter what's coming after me. It doesn't matter if it's the Lava Monster doesn't matter if we're just playing a game of tag. If I can get to the safe zone there, everything is going to be okay. You know, I was reading the Bible here in, in, in Numbers, and I realized that the safe zone, the base, didn't start with a game of tag. The base, the safe zone, actually started by the command of God. It actually started by the word of the Lord. When the cities of Israel being set up, They were divided into these tribes and they were given portions of land. And the portion that was given to the Levites, right in the middle of the priest, right in the middle of the sanctuary, right in the middle of what we know today as church, there was something called a place of refuge, a city of refuge. It was was a safe zone. It was a base. It was a place of protection. As we read it today, we, we see that this place of refuge, and let me give you the definition. The definition of refuge is this. It's a shelter or protection from danger. If I can get there, I'll be sheltered or protected from danger. Shelter from trouble. To take refuge from a storm. I missed that storm that pounded San Diego. I was in Seattle, believe it or not, and it didn't rain one time. How does that work? I don't know. (laughs) Refuge from the storm, a place of shelter, protection, or safety. Anything to which one has recourse for aid, relief, or escape. This is base. This is the safe zone. This is the place of refuge. Now, how many of you know that when you're playing tag, man, it's a great feeling to have that? But yet so many of us go through life not even realizing that we do have that. And we find ourselves running in financial trouble. We find ourselves running in in relational difficulty. We find ourselves running and and, and we don't seem to have any peace. We don't seem to have any protection. We don't seem to have any refuge. And we find ourselves and we're running frantic. How many of you guys would like that place called base, that that safe zone where you can just run to and say, "Uh uh-uh, devil, you can't touch me here. You can't touch my marriage here. You can't touch my finances here. You can't touch my emotions here. Are you with me today? 
you can't touch my health here. No, no, I'm on, I'm on base. Now, as we read about it in Numbers, we see it was specifically set up for those that had killed somebody. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands how many killed somebody. Because I think you might scare us all. Okay? But in Numbers, it was set up for those that had killed somebody. And anybody that had killed somebody could run there. And it was specifically set up for those that killed somebody on accident. I don't know how that looked. I don't know how that worked. I don't know if their camel was moving too fast and they ran somebody over. Okay? But there were accidental slains, all right, in the Old Testament. Got to watch out for those fast-moving camels, I tell you. Okay? And they could flee there for, for protection from that person's relative. Because the relatives would find out and say, man, did you hear so-and-so? Man, yeah, they were cruising on their camel down First Avenue Desert Street thing. They just creamed that person, right? Let's go get him, okay? Then he would be able to run to the, the city of refuge, Okay? And there they would await trial. There they would await, you know, to, to find out if they were truly guilty or not. Okay. They would go there. Now, as you begin to study Scripture and you begin to look at a city of refuge, here's a couple of things that took place. It wasn't like when you got there, you were the only, the only murderer in the town. Okay? Notice that the city of refuge is set up right next to the temple, right next to the place of worship. And here this person would come, they're running for their life. They would run there, they would get there, and they would have protection. When they got there, though, they would find other people just like themselves. Other people that had killed somebody. Other people that had, you know, whether it was accidental or on purpose or whatever. They would find them there, and they would actually begin to bond and find a community within this city of refuge. What began to happen is this, though, is that people began to hear about the city of refuge. And people began to hear that, man, murderers can run there. And what happened is it began to give everybody else hope because if the worst of the worst had refuge, had shelter, had safety, how much more do I? I'm not even a murderer, but maybe I did X, Y, and Z. If they have refuge, how much more do I have refuge? And so now other people, people that stole things, people that were just just down and out, would begin to flee to this city of refuge. So now the picture begins to grow. Now not only do you have murderers, you have burglars, you have, you have, you have, you have adulterers, you have, you have all these people now living in this city and they have one thing in common. They have protection from the outside. Now think about this. Think about the community that is being formed. Why is it so important to see the community that's being formed? Because they get there and people understand me. They get there and I can say, yeah, man, I- I'm here because I did this. I'm here because I I, I did that. I'm here because I messed up this way. I'm here because I messed up. And now, not only do they find someone they can share with, but they find someone that can can relate to what they're going through. Are you with me? This was the city of refuge. This was the place that, that they would run to. They would run frantic in fear, but when they got to the city of refuge, there they would find peace, protection, and safety. Now remember, if you're sitting there saying, that doesn't sound fair. I mean, they did something wrong. Remember whose word is the one that established the city of refuge. God said, this is the way it will be. Place of community. Place where they could share what they were going through. Come running frantic, but find, but find peace. And it gave hope to so many. In Numbers, we see a city of refuge. In Psalm 91, we see that that God is going to become 
their refuge. As Jesus would come and begin to proclaim in Matthew chapter 11, come to me, all you who are weary, who are tired, and I will give you rest. The city of refuge, God our refuge, and now I believe what God is calling the church today to do is to be a church of refuge. A place where people can come to find peace, protection, shelter. A place where people can come and, and, and not be condemned and, and not be looked down upon and, and not be accused of something. Listen today, you might not be here because you did something wrong, but listen to me. It's nice to come to a place where not everyone's pointing out your faults. Come on, that's what brothers and sisters are for. I have three older brothers. Man, it's nice to come to a place where I can just let down. This, the city of refuge was a place where they could just let down their guard. Whew, I made it here. I don't have to run anymore. I can, I can relax. I can, I can breathe. Because everyone here, they're in the same boat I'm in. Everyone here, they, 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 they're just messed up as, as me. God is calling us to be a church of refuge. Revelations 12.10 says this, that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. The devil is the one that comes and accuses us. The devil is the one that's trying to come and chase you down to try to inflict defeat upon your life, defeat upon your marriage, defeat upon your finances, defeat upon your, on your health, defeat upon on your emotions. And he's chasing you down, and he wants to inflict defeat upon you. He's the accuser of the brethren. So you're here today and you're saying, well, I, I, I'm not fleeing because I haven't killed somebody. But let me ask you this question today. What are you fleeing from? What things have been getting on you? Think back, you know, here we are in 2011, a brand new year, 2010. Man, it was a great year for some of us. I, I, I enjoyed it. But yeah, there was some difficulty, okay? I think every year does present some difficulty. But the key is, is this. It's not that there's going to be zero difficulty in 2011, but what difficulty can I leave back in 2010 and not bring with me into 2011? Come on, what does the Bible say? The Bible says, man, don't worry about tomorrow. Why? Because tomorrow has enough cares of its own. <laughs> That's a promising scripture, isn't it? Hey, don't worry about tomorrow. Why? Because it's going to be difficult enough without you worrying about it today. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. Now, why, why would we carry something with us into 2011 that we can leave back? Because 2011, it's going to have its own challenges. It's going to have its own blessings. It's going to have its own, 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 own mountaintops and its own valleys. Man, there's great things in store, but there's going to be some things we've got to overcome. But here we are, and we can look back and say, what's been chasing me? I'm not going to allow my marriage to be affected by that anymore. I'm not going to allow my, my health. I'm going to make some steps. I'm going to do some things. Think about that. When they got to the city of refuge, man, it was a place where hope was restored. Maybe they'll find me innocent. And if not, at least I'm protected while I'm here. What is it? What, what, what's, what's chasing after you? Failure from the past? Mistakes you've made? Get over it. We all make them. What is it that you can leave back in 2010? I believe that this is what God is calling us to be. God is calling Urban to be a place of refuge. Think about it now. 
The city of refuge, God our refuge. When you come to God, God does not sit there and say, you know what, you are such an idiot. He doesn't just sit there and say, yeah, you did blow it. You are a bad individual. You're horrible. I believe that God wants to be a church where us to be a church where people can come, let down their guard, and begin to say, you know what, this is what I'm dealing with. I, I did this. This is what I'm struggling with. And, and here's the thing. When you do that, guess what? Somebody else is going to be like, you too? <laughs> See, sometimes we carry around this, this baggage on us and this stuff on us like we're the only ones with that problem. We're the only ones with that difficulty. Or, or, or what we do is we come to church and we, we put on this, this, this facade that I've got it all together. I probably wrestle with that the most because I've got to get up here and look at all of you beautiful people. And, I, and for those of you who know me well, I, I wear my emotions on my sleeve. If I'm having a bad day, and I get up here and I try to fake like I'm having a good day, people just know. It's like half my face is smiling, the other half is frowning. I don't know how that works. but And they just look at me like, oh, he's so fake in it right now. Man, church needs to be a place where we can come and we can just say, you know what, man, it's been a good week, but you know what, I'm, I'm kind of dealing with this. And we can just let down. Be a place of refuge. Man, the church is not to be a place where someone comes. And is, here, here's the thing, is that one of my mentors, I was asking him some questions, and I was talking to him about something, and we were, we were looking at some things that uh, we're doing in this up-and-coming year. And uh, he, he was asking about different aspects of the church, people that are getting married, and yada, yada, yada. And, and so also we got on the discussion of, 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 of marriage. When we got on the topic of, of have you ever married someone that comes to your church and they're new and they're living together? but yet they're not married. And, uh, and so we started talking about this, and he said, yeah. He said, we do. I said, well, what, how do you guys do that? What do you guys do? And uh, he said, well, we, we accept them into the community, and we encourage them to get married when they can, and then when they do that, I perform the ceremony. And I was like, that's awesome. I said, well, do you make them, you know, because I've heard some churches, they make, them, they make them separate. Well, I want you to separate for at least six months. You live apart, and, uh, and then, you know, you know, in those six months, I guess something magical is supposed to happen, and, and, then, and then, boom, you can get married, and now everything's fine, Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and he said, we don't do that. He said, it is our job to love people. They've come into the church. Here they are. Why would I begin to point the finger and say, oh, you need to do this, and you need to do that, and I'm not going to marry you and, unless you do do those things, because, man, this is, why would I do that? He goes, that's not my job. He goes, if the Holy Spirit begins to convict them while they're coming to church, and they come to me and say, you know, we feel like we need to separate for a season before then I encourage him in that. He said, but I'm not going to scare them away from my church by saying, oh, well, you know, you, you guys aren't married. <laughs> they know they're not married. Deep down inside, they probably know that, you know, well, we probably should get married, okay? The church needs to be a place that, that doesn't condemn people. But the church needs to be a place of refuge. We're right there. You can find peace. You can find shelter. Listen, we're not perfect. We're about that close to being there, but. Just kidding. Why are you laughing? We were perfect until you came. No, just kidding. Um, that was a joke, people. Lighten up. See? You liked it. Thank you. <laughs> but you know what? I, something I've realized, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you're catching my heart here this morning because I believe this is going to set us up for 2011. I've, I've learned this, that mercy triumphs over judgment. That when we love somebody in the condition, in the state they're in, they change more often than not. 
But if we sit there and try to place regulations and rules and stipulations and all this stuff on them, they end up leaving. So why not, why not err on the side of grace and on the side of love rather than on the side of judgment? Why not err on the side where, man, come on in? Because you know what? If they can come here, listen, you cannot sit under the word time after time after time and not want to change. If the Bible is true and the Bible is effective, then as you come week after week or as you open up and you do your devotional, you're going to want to change for the better. Are you with me this morning? This needs to be a place of refuge where we can come in with our struggles. We can come in. Now, in order for this to work, in order for us to be that place of refuge, in order for us to be a place where people can come, it's going to require something on our behalf. It's going to require transparency. Because if we're not transparent, they're going to learn really quickly to mask their issues when they come in. Because they're going to look around and be like, oh, man, everybody's got it together here. You liars. But if we could just let down our, don't you love coming to church and I just beat you up, call you liars and you're not perfect? Gosh, I need to change that for 2011, don't I? <laughs> but if they could come in here and see that, wow, you know what? So-and-so is a big screw-up too. Man, even the pastor, he calls me names from the pulpit. He doesn't got it together. <laughs> Man, you know, I think this is, a, this is a church I could attend. This is a place I could come because they're not perfect. It's going to require us to be transparent. It's going to require us that when someone comes and, and begins to say, you know what, oh, I'm, I'm kind of having these thoughts of lust. You can't, we can't do that in the church. Or you can just say, man, I've been there 10 minutes ago, you know. <laughs> well, what, you, know, you, you understand what I'm saying, right? I mean, that you can just, you can, you can just relate to them. This is why people would run to the, the city of refuge. Not just because they could have protection momentarily, but because they could have, have some release as they begin to share, man, I blew it and this is what happened. Somebody else comes like, you know what? Me too. I, I, I blew it too and I know what you're talking about. What if we could form that community? Now listen to me. That doesn't mean that we just err on the side of messing up all the time. I heard pastors say last week, I'm going to mess up really bad this week so I can relate to somebody on Sunday. That's not what I'm saying, all right? I'm not saying go out and blow it really bad so next week you can find out who can I relate to, you know, okay? What I'm saying is, is that, that none of us are perfect. Are we people by the grace of God that are pursuing perfection? Yes, but none of us here are perfect. The point is this, is that, that God accepts us just as we are, but he doesn't let us stay as we are. Man, we come in and we find this place and, wow, okay, I, I messed up. And, but you know what? We get on the path and we pursue perfection. But we know according to, to 1 Corinthians 13 that, that until that which is perfect, Jesus Christ comes back, we ain't going to be perfect. But that doesn't mean we don't pursue it now. That doesn't mean we don't do our best according to the Word of God and in a community of believers. Are you with me this morning? we got to be the church that openly accepts people. Write this verse down, Matthew 12, 13, and, and I'll try to finish with this. Matthew 12, 13. There's a story in Matthew chapter 12 that where Jesus walks into the synagogue and he walks in there and he sees a man that has a withered hand. His hand, I don't know exactly what that means, but his hand wasn't working properly. It was, it was inoperable. He didn't have a, a hand that, that worked properly. 
And he walks in and he sees them. And the Bible says that the religious people that are in the synagogue see Jesus. And they ask him, hey, is it okay for someone to be healed on the Sabbath? Is it okay for, 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 in other words, they're talking about this man without using his name. They want to test Jesus, and, and Jesus goes in and says, hey, how many of you guys would have a donkey that, you know, is stuck in the, you know, stuck alongside the road that wouldn't on the Sabbath go and help the donkey out? And in the process of this whole thing, he looks at the man with the withered hand, and he says this to him. He says, stretch out your hand. And as the guy with the issue who came in, probably feeling judged by everybody else, probably feeling judged by the religious people in the synagogue, and even more so when the people begin to test Jesus and say, hey, is it okay for you to heal somebody on the Sabbath? In the middle of that, Jesus looks at the man with the withered hand and says, hey, I want you to stretch out your hand. And as he stretches out his hand, the Bible says that his hand is completely restored as brand new. His hand is completely healed at church. In a place where he was being judged by the religious people. There's one thing that Jesus had him do. It was stretch his hand out. He wasn't, he wasn't allowed to hide it any longer. He wasn't allowed to, to tuck it in his sleeve or hide it behind his back just so he could try to fit in. But Jesus said to him, stretch it out. Stretch out your hand. I believe that, that, that God is saying the same thing to you and I today. That the church needs to be a place where we can come and not have it all together and not try to hide our struggle and not try to hide the, the failures and not try to hide the mistakes and not try to hide the pain, but, but to be able to come and not find religious people as this man did, but find a place of refuge, a city of hope, a city of shelter where Jesus could say, hey, it's okay to stretch your marriage out. I know that your marriage is, is going through a hard time right now, but why don't you go ahead and, and stretch that out so that it can be healed. I, I know that your body is, is, is under some attack and you're, you're facing some health issues, but why don't you go ahead and, and stretch your health issue out so that it can be, be healed. I know that, that you've been having some financial difficulty and it's been rough, but, but you don't have to hide it any longer. You've come into the church. You've come into a city of refuge. You've come to a safe place. Why don't you stretch out your problem, your circumstance, and there it can be healed. The the problem is, is that we're hiding our struggles. Why are we hiding them? Because there's religious people. We don't know what they're going to say. We got to stop being religious and we got to start being transparent. Stop hiding and start stretching out so that you can be healed just like this man was healed. Now listen to me, I'm not just talking about a, I'm just not talking about a 1030 on a Sunday morning. You are the church. You're a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. You're a light of the world, the salt of the earth. And wherever you go, you could be a city of refuge right on your job. You could be a city of refuge right in your neighborhood. You could be a city of refuge right in your family. And all you have to do is stop being religious and start being transparent because we have the answer. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. Urban will be a place of refuge by being a place of hope in 2011. We are going to bring hope to people. We're going to bring hope with our actions, with our deeds, but we're going to bring hope with our words as well. 
We're going to be a place where people can begin to dream begin to dream again, begin to live out those dreams, begin to fulfill the desires of their heart. We're going to be a place of hope and not ridicule and condemnation. I was, I was, I was grieved over Christmas as I was just going through Facebook and, and wishing some people Merry Christmas. And I got to one of my friends that I was in college with, and I noticed that she went back to her maiden name. So I sent her an email and said, man, you know, forgive me, maybe I missed something over the last several months, but I noticed that you went back to your maiden name. Are you and your husband still together? They have two beautiful kids together. She, she, she emailed me back, and she said, um, no, we, we got a divorce. About a year and a half ago, I found out that my husband was having an affair, and, and uh, we went to the church and got counseling. We worked through it only to find out at the end of the counseling after several months that he, he now began to have multiple affairs after the counseling. And for myself and for my sons, we, we just couldn't handle it, so I filed for divorce. And so I just encouraged her in that because I, I believe very, very, very clearly through Scripture that divorce is not a sin. Does God hate divorce? Yes. Is it a sin? No. And so I encouraged her in that and began to, began to give her some resources. And she said, you know what, Ben? She goes, the funny thing is, is that one Sunday morning without even knowing after I'd filed for divorce, the pastor of my church called me and my boys up. I didn't know what was going to be taking place. Brought us up, had us stand there, and in front of the whole congregation said, this woman's filed for a divorce. You are no longer allowed to associate with her. A place that should have been a place of safety, of refuge, of help, of resource, of healing, of wholeness became the biggest place of shame, discouragement, and discomfort. But in 2011, I want us to be a place of refuge by being a place of hope. Number two, I want to be a place of healing. I believe that God is going to do some supernatural stuff in our church. We just finished our series on miracles, and we saw miraculous healings take place. I believe that God is going to continue to do that in 2011. That people would go to a doctor and maybe they wouldn't be able to, they wouldn't be, able to be, be taken care of by a doctor, but they would know, you know what, there's a church that believes in supernatural healing. There's a place I can go that some believers will surround me and lay hands on me. You talk about restoring hope. Man, think about it. If, if you go to a doctor and the doctor says, man, it's incurable, it's an opera, we, we can't help you. Where do you go? I've heard of people going to the church. Oh, we don't really believe in, in, in supernatural healing here. It doesn't matter what you believe, it matters what the Bible says. The Bible says the believers will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They shall be healed. Is anyone sick among you? Let you call for the elders of the church and they'll come and they'll, they'll pray the prayer of faith and you'll recover. I, I want to be a place of healing both physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Urban will be a place of refuge in 2011 by being a place for the harvest. Being a place where you can bring your unsaved friends people that need to know Jesus, people that are looking for a church. Listen to me, I, I don't want to be that, and you've got to be honest with yourself and hopefully honest with me as well. If you ever get to that place, because I've been there, where you ask yourself, or, or, where you ask yourself this, this question and say, you know what, what I really want to bring my, my unsaved friends to that church. If the answer is no, then please go find a church where you feel comfortable bringing your unsaved friends to. And they'll never teach you that in school as a pastor. 
Tell the people if they don't like your church to leave. I said, it's not that you don't like it, but you've got to feel comfortable bringing your unsaved friends. Now listen to me, you can't, you can't, you can't borderline it, you can't, you can't be like, well, I don't know, because they talk pretty openly about the Bible. It's church, people. I mean, that'd be like, hey, taking your friend to a movie and be like, oh my word, they're showing a movie here. <laughs> At the theater, okay. Can the Bible be uncomfortable at times? Yeah. The truth hurts sometimes. No chase need is fun for the moment, but yet it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. And that's fun. Painful? Yeah. Fun at the end? Yeah, it's great. I want to be a place where, 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 where new people can come in and hear the truth, know the truth, and the truth will set them free. We will never water down the word. We'll never water down our stance. We'll never water down our worship. Matter of fact, we're going to get more undignified for God. Come on, Brett. Our worship's going to continue to grow. Now we're going to continue to see the word of God preached. And we're not going to back down from any of that. But in the midst of all of that, you're going to feel comfortable bringing your friends here. Why? Because you know they're going to hear the truth. And when they hear the truth, the truth will set them free. I want to be a place of refuge for you a place of refuge for your friends, a place that you can come to and find base from the lava monster. Find a safe zone in the middle of all you're running around. Get to that place and begin to turn to the enemy and say, now, I found refuge in the shelter of the Most High. You can't touch me here. I'm on base. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that your word is living and active. God, I pray, God, that these words that we shared today, God, would not just be words of encouragement, but God, they'd be words that challenge us. God, challenge us to look deep and say, wow, how can I be a part of that refuge in 2011? How can I, with a community group, how can I, by getting involved in some aspect of ministry, how can I, by inviting my friend, be that place of refuge? When I go back to work, many of us have been on vacation, and, and as I go back to work on Monday, how can I bring that, that, that place of refuge to my friends, to my coworkers, How can I be that safe zone? How can I be that base? God, I pray, Lord, that you would not only encourage us, but challenge us this morning. Challenge us this morning. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. When my heart is overwhelmed, when, when I'm going through a difficult time, when I, when, I, when, I, when I don't have it all together, take me to the place of refuge. Take me to the base. Take me to the safe zone. Because there, I can let my guard down. I can begin to talk openly. Say, man, this is what's been going on in my life. God, teach us not only to be transparent, but teach us, God, how to accept people the way you do, without judgment, without ridicule. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray for this group of people that 2011, God, would be a great year for them individually. God, would be a great year for those that are married. God, be a great year for their children. God, be a great year on their job. Hallelujah. But I also pray, God, that this would be the best year they've ever been a part of spiritually. God, that they would find, God, right here at Urban Church, they would find relationships, they would find friendships, they would find, Lord God, uh, happiness as they build community with one another. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, those that are going through struggles, God, I pray right now that they'll begin to release those struggles. His eyes are closed, heads are bowed, and you're just looking at 2011 that lies ahead of you. Listen to me. It's only two days in. Don't take it with you. Don't take the baggage with you. Leave it today. Leave it today. Find a place where you can get rid of the pain, the guilt, the shame, the discomfort.